unlocking true happiness with venerable Tenzin Choki. Welcome to Unlocking True Happiness. I'm Venerable Tenzin Choki, a monastic practicing in the Tibetan tradition. Each episode of Unlocking True Happiness will explore the Buddhist teachings as they're applied in our daily lives to deepen our experience of genuine well-being. Topics combine ideas from Buddhism with those from the fields of positive psychology, Western philosophy, and current events. What I wanted to explore today is a topic that, uh, you know, comes up in connection with a lot of other things that we talk about in these sessions and Buddhist classes, just in general in life. And that's the topic of forgiveness. We uh, sometimes grapple with the relationship between forgiveness and compassion, or forgiveness and loving kindness, or forgiveness and anger, and trying to apply antidotes for anger. So forgiveness really relates to a lot of the things that we talk about. You know, when we have a lack of forgiveness, it can often lead to a sense of unhappiness, And it can be really challenging to forgive when we feel that we've been hurt, when we feel we've been wronged in some way. So I wanted to just allow some space for a little bit of exploration and conversation around the topic of forgiveness. And, you know, there are a lot of ideas that I'd like to present, some from Buddhism, some from psychology, a lot of uh, psychological researchers have focused quite a lot, kind of devoted their careers to studying forgiveness. I thought of this because of, you know, as usual, several conversations I've had with people this week. And then also yesterday in Canada was the first national day of truth and reconciliation right? So many years ago, in fact, I was living in Canada when this happened, the Canadian government did a whole process modeled on the process in South Africa after apartheid to explore the relationship with First Nations people, with Indigenous people in Canada, and a lot of the trauma that had been inflicted on children, you know, in relation, especially children in relation to being forced to go to these residential schools, these boarding schools that they were forced to go to where they were subject to a lot of abuse. And lately, we've heard these news accounts of these mass graves that have been found. So yesterday was the first day of, you know, a national truth and reconciliation aware kind of awareness day. So, so forgiveness can be both very personal, and it can be cultural, it can be national, you know, it can really extend to a lot of different spheres of relationship in our lives. So we can kind of think when I say forgiveness, you might immediately think of, oh, that person, the person who broke my heart, you know, often the people we need to forgive the most are the people who were really close to us at some point, right? And then did something to, you know, betray our trust. But it can also happen 
you know, in, in a bigger context as well. In fact, I was on a interface panel yesterday at San Francisco State University, of course, online. And there was a, a man there, an indigenous Mexican man, and he asked the panel, you know, why are so many atrocities committed in the name of religion? And he was talking about his own country and how the indigenous people, of course, you know, invaded by the conquistadors and hundreds and hundreds of years of oppression and genocide and so forth. And he was like, it was, you know, in the name of the Catholic Church. And so we had a very interesting conversation. And the Christian, uh, the Christian uh, representative on the interfaith panel, who's not Catholic, but she gave a very moving kind of public apology to him for what had happened on behalf of her religious tradi tradition. And it was really moving, like he was kind of saying, how come? And she just said, yeah, it was terrible. It was about greed. It was about profit. It was about all of these things. It was about resources. And it was also done in the name of religion. And I'm really sorry for that. You know, so that can be very, very powerful when that kind of thing happens. And it was a really touching interaction between her and this, and this man. So yeah, so forgiveness, you know, can be quite huge too, in addition to personal. So we'll, we'll talk about it. One thing I'd love to begin is prompting you to, for a reflection, just taking a moment to think about a episode of forgiveness in your life. And it may be a time that you've forgiven someone else. It might be a time that someone else has forgiven you or it might even be an act of forgiveness that you witnessed, like the example I just gave of yesterday, this kind of touching interaction. So just take a moment and draw from your memory for a moment of a time where you feel like you had an experience of forgiveness, either that you received forgiveness, you extended forgiveness to someone else, or you witnessed an experience of forgiveness. And draw from your memory as much as you can, what happened, who was there, what was the situation? Was anything done or said? Was there some action or some words that went along with that experience of forgiveness. And then taking a moment to reflect, how did you know that this was an experience of forgiveness? When I asked you to think of a experience of forgiveness, why is it that this incident came to mind? What are some of the characteristics of this episode that made you think of it as an example of forgiveness? And then thinking of those characteristics, I'd like to invite you 
what are some characteristics of forgiveness when you really identified that episode or that experience as forgiveness? Why was it that you called that an episode of forgiveness? And just go ahead and share graciousness, unresolved, heart opening, confession, did not abandon, common humanity regarding loss, peace, acceptance, relief, giving up self-cherishing, release. So I see so many kind of words and phrases about peace, relief, release, letting it go, recognizing my own part in the situation, loving them anyway, compassion, opening the heart. So there's almost a felt sense from some of these words, protecting myself and keeping an open heart. We'll definitely talk about that. There's almost a sense from some of these phrases, almost a felt sense of this release, relief, opening, you know, words like peace, letting it go, release, acceptance, right? Acceptance of the situation, sometimes unresolved. Unresolved was one thing that came up. Protecting oneself came up also, right? Opening the heart. So yeah, let's talk about this. One definition of forgiveness that I found when I was researching was to give up and cease to harbor resentment, recognizing a terrible wrong that you hold in your heart and realizing that that wrong can be healed, okay? So it's recognizing, it's not ignoring the experience. And I think that's really important that it's not ignoring what happened, it's not belittling in any way what happened, but it's recognizing that that experience can be healed. There's a researcher called Fred Luskin, and he's devoted his, his career. I'll put his name actually in the chat. It's Fred Luskin. There's a lot of stuff online from him. He's really devoted a lot of his research career to forgiveness. And I wanted to, to kind of show some of what he says of what forgiveness is and what it isn't. And so when he talks about the characteristics of forgiveness, he said, forgiveness involves accepting that the transgression happened. Okay, so forgiveness doesn't, he says, it does not mean forgetting. It does not mean in some way discounting what happened. It's accepting and acknowledging what did happen. It involves a reduced urge to punish or to seek vengeance. And this relates a lot to Buddhist teachings. We say there's a whole set of vows in Buddhism that's all about non-retaliation. And some people even say that, you know, one of the kind of characteristics of Buddhist ethics is a basis in non-retaliation to harm. So a reduced urge to punish or to seek vengeance, a decline in avoidance, and an increase in compassion towards the offender for their own suffering. It's, and somebody put in the chat that, you know, uh, decreasing our self-cherishing or our self-absorption 
allows us to forgive and is part of forgiveness. So this, you know, putting ourselves in the other person's shoes, I think one of the ways that we can kind of reach forgiveness is by empathy, putting ourselves in the other person's shoes, increasing compassion towards them for their own suffering, trying to see things from their perspective and letting go of the self-focus that is often the case when we're hanging on to that kind of resentment. What forgiveness is not, and this is really important, I think, when we're trying to move towards forgiveness, it's not condoning the offense. It's not saying that what happened is okay. Okay, really important to acknowledge. It doesn't mean absolving the offender of responsibility either. It doesn't mean that the person doesn't need to somehow make up for what they did, you know, whether it's in a legal way or in a personal way. It doesn't just mean, hey, we're all good. It's fine. No problem. And this is really, really important. It does not necessarily mean reconciling with the person who harmed you. This is a choice that we have. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. They can be related. One can follow after the other, but they're not one whole package. So condoning the offense, absolving the offender of responsibility, and reconciling with the person who harmed you are not part of what forgiveness is. And I think this is so important because when we think of some of the obstacles that we have in forgiveness, there are two things that really come up a lot. And one is we think, hey, I don't trust that person. If I forgive them, I'm going to have to let them all the way in again, right? And renew that relationship, reconcile with them. And that's really scary because they really did betray me. They betrayed my trust, whatever it is, if it was a personal relationship, because often that's when we do hold on to resentment. When we had some sort of relationship with someone and we felt somehow that some aspect of that relationship was betrayed. So in a way, we hold on to a lack of forgiveness, thinking that it's going to protect us. So that's really important to give thought to and differentiate, I think, forgiveness and reconciliation, because they're two different things. Forgiveness can happen without reconciliation. We talk a lot in compassion practice about boundaries and having appropriate and healthy boundaries, and that having compassion for others doesn't mean we don't have any kind of boundary. And it may be with someone with their behavior We need to set a certain boundary about the closeness we're going to have, the intimacy we're going to have with that person, but still having compassion for them and still forgiving them for what they've done. But, you know, we don't need to let them in again in that way. If we feel they may not be trustworthy or we may need to work on it. And forgiveness is a process. And that's another thing, too. It's not flipping a light switch. It's a process that can unfold over a long period of time. But that's one of the main obstacles we have towards forgiveness is thinking that it means, oh, I'm going to be vulnerable again to this person that may have harmed me. So I think really conceptually understanding that those are two different things. Another big obstacle that we have often for forgiveness 
is we want our story to be heard. We want our pain to be acknowledged, right? We're afraid that if we forgive, somehow the intensity of our suffering will not be heard. So we hold on to resentment as a way to validate our experience. So a big part of forgiveness, meaning, no, we are acknowledging the harm. You know, we're not somehow covering over. Interesting that, you know, I mentioned this this thing about the truth and reconciliation process in Canada, because I was, as I mentioned, I was living there when it was happening. And when I first moved to Canada to the small town in central British Columbia, and there was this elderly indigenous man who was really interested in Buddhism. So it was like the first week I moved there and he saw me, you know, in this public space, people were showing me around in robes, comes running up to me. He had a book of Lamieshis in his back pocket. He carried around with him all the time. He's like so excited. His name was Ralph. He was in his late seventies. And he had been a survivor of these residential schools and had been abused and gone through terrible things and ended up eventually running away. And we got to be friends and he would come over. He would just show up at my door and we'd have coffee and hang out. And I remember at the very beginning of our relationship, he would tell me over and over and over again about what happened to him. Like every time we met, it would be the same story about his trauma you know, and you felt like I was a safe person and I really valued that. But then it's at some point it shifted. And I remember really clearly, like we're sitting there drinking coffee and I was hearing the story once again. And then he looked at me and in that moment, he saw that I got it. Like I really got it, what had happened to him, you know, and he saw the acknowledgement in my face of what had happened. And then he could drop the story, like he needed his pain to be heard and acknowledged. And so that's very important for the process and often what blocks us from forgiveness. You know, in you, in you, it's a common example, you know, that we find of people who've suffered some big harm and they do feel, it feels like they hang on and kind of keep telling the story over and over and over again. And I always think, oh, if they ever really felt 100% heard by somebody, you know, that might be a way that they could move towards the next process and move towards healing. And that's part of, I want to, I want to uh, share another, another kind of paradigm with you. And this comes from Bishop Desmond Tutu of the truth and reconciliation process, he and his daughter, Mfotutu, who's also an Anglican priest, uh, wrote this book a number of years ago, maybe about 10 years ago, called The Path to Forgiveness. And they had something that might still be online called the Forgiveness Challenge, this 30-day forgiveness challenge, which is this brilliant process that they lead you through. It involves journaling. It involves you know, little videos of him and his daughter kind of presenting. It might still be available. I should have checked before the class, but it's called The Forgiveness Challenge. And in his beautiful book, and he talks a lot about that process in South Africa, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee, that he was part of the, you know, one of the originators of and, and part of the whole process, which just went on for months and months. And, it, and so he, he lays out this four-step process. And the first step is telling 
the story. And the second step is naming the hurt. And a lot of the truth and reconciliation process, both in South Africa, the one in Canada, there've been similar processes in other countries in Rwanda have really involved, you know, sometimes days, weeks, months of the victims of the atrocities coming and telling their story and naming the impact on them because that has a lot uh, to do with moving towards forgiveness. Even now we're, we're moving more and more in the United States towards restorative justice practices in the criminal justice system and victim offender dialogues are becoming more and more uh, common where the, the victim of an offense actually is able to tell the offender the impact that they've had on them. And, and it's a way of moving towards, you know, reconciliation that's very, very powerful. But without that opportunity of telling the story and naming the hurt, very, very hard. And then granting forgiveness. We'll talk about some of the ways that we can do that. And then this last step, renewing or releasing the relationship. And this is really important. This is the choice, like I said. So forgiveness does not mean reconciliation. It could mean a choice to release the relationship, but with full forgiveness. So that can be there, even if we choose not to reconcile with the person and the relationship. So I love this list from Bishop Desmond Tutu has been really effective And, you know, granting forgiveness, and this is, as I said, is a process. A lot of times I think it does involve putting yourself in the other person's shoes and trying to see things from their perspective. Often when we feel so wounded and hurt, you know, it really narrows our focus into just what we experienced and we're not really seeing things from the other person's perspective not to condone, not to say that it's okay, but it's a way of moving towards forgiveness and compassion. Somebody came to me this week, uh, a student asked to talk, and she had had an experience of dating someone for a while. The relationship was going really, really well. And then she found out this very significant part of his past that he hadn't shared with her, that she felt like he should have disclosed to her. So she felt that, you know, betrayed, she lost trust in him, you know, and kind of came to me for a little bit of advice about like, what do I do with this situation? And, you know, we were talking it through and I said, wow, from his perspective, he met you, you guys really connected. He really liked you. He was afraid that if he told you this thing, he'd never see you again. Like it was because of how much he cared for you. And he, he messed up, like he made a mistake. Cause if he had disclosed, you probably would have been, you know, been able to work through it. But the fact that he didn't disclose is what made you feel that you didn't trust him. And then fair enough. It may not be that you are able to kind of restore your trust in him, but looking at things from his perspective and, you know, I could feel her attitude towards himself. And it was like, wow, he didn't want to mess up. 
And he had backfired. He messed up even worse by not telling you, but like his fear, because he really liked you and connected with you. And he was afraid that this would be a deal breaker in the relationship. So that can really, really help sometimes if we put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And then I said, you have a choice now. Maybe it is a deal breaker, but you could still kind of forgive him for the mistake that he made. And that's another thing. Wow, it's so hard for us to accept our own and others' imperfections, isn't it? And that's one of the ways. I mean, I find it hard to forgive myself when I hurt other people and find it hard to accept that I don't live up to my own ideals. And it can be so hard. You know, we have an expectation of someone else, they don't live up to our ideal, they're a messy human being who makes mistakes, just like we all do. And that's hard. That's hard. So I think part of what leads me, at least, in a process towards forgiveness is an acceptance of the messiness, acceptance of the imperfection, acceptance of mixed motivations, acceptance of mistakes, both myself and others, and also looking at the expectation I have of others. And sometimes I'm disappointed in my own expectation, which is just some idea I came up in the privacy of my own mind that has nothing to do with the other person. They didn't agree. They didn't sign a contract with me that they were going to fulfill my expectation. But I feel betrayed that my own expectation wasn't fulfilled. But, you know, the other person is like, dude, that's on you. That has nothing to do with me. Where did that even come from, right? So often, if we look at the high bar that we set on others' behavior, on what they're going to provide to us in the relationship, sometimes that can really help us also move towards forgiveness. So those are some of the things that I've found that are re- and and realizing, you know, the fundamental thing, it doesn't mean I need to reconcile if the person doesn't feel safe. Because as we've talked before, you know, we have these basic human needs. I really like working with the short list of safety, belonging and respect or dignity. You know, there's long lists in nonviolent communication. There are these great you know, lists of, of human needs, but we really do need, uh, we need safety. We need to feel safe. We can't talk ourselves out of that. And sometimes it may be a process to move towards safety when we feel unsafe in a situation, or we may decide, no, this isn't really safe. I can forgive and move on. So those are some ideas. All right. So let's take some time to settle into our meditation posture with your back straight, your shoulders even. Your tongue can be on the roof of your mouth right behind your teeth. Your eyes can either be in a hooded gaze or closed. And just taking a moment to settle in, scan through your body, see if there's any tightness or tension or constriction. And then just settling with the breath for a few moments.
And now take a moment to think of someone that you feel you need to forgive. And think not of the kind of most intense situation in your life, not something that's gonna be triggering of a lot of strong emotion, but just a small grudge perhaps that you're holding. But somebody you feel that you need to forgive, something that you're holding on to. And take a couple of moments to think of an episode. Let the details come to mind. What happened? What did the person do or say? Just take a few moments to think of the details of the incident. You might even feel re-triggered a little bit to perhaps anger or sadness, maybe fear or resentment. Just notice what it feels in your body when you recall this episode. And now taking a few moments to try and get in touch with what might be blocking your forgiveness. Are you afraid that if you forgive the other person, you'll become vulnerable? Do you feel that forgiveness also means renewing your trust in the other person in a way that'll yeah, make you vulnerable or feel that you'll let them in to your life, to your heart in a way that might, might not completely feel safe. Is this what's blocking your forgiveness? Could it be that you feel that if you forgive, it means your story isn't being heard and that your pain isn't really being acknowledged, the gravity of it, the intensity of your experience? Is this one of your feelings that might be blocking your forgiveness? Or maybe there's something else that's blocking your forgiveness. 
Just take a few moments to reflect and see what comes to mind. And now examine the situation and see if in that situation you had an expectation of the other person that they didn't meet. Is that part of why you felt betrayal or lack of trust or whatever it is that happened? Did you have an expectation of the other person? Maybe they let you down. They disappointed you in some way. Check and see if that might be a cause of your resentment. And then if you find that there was some kind of expectation, do you feel that it was realistic? And was it communicated to the other person? So looking at perhaps the expectation that you had or that wish that you had of the other person's behavior towards you and how much was that communicated and is it really realistic considering the relationship? And then as another way of looking at the situation, can you put yourself in the other person's shoes and see what their feelings and needs might've been? I gave the example of the student who had the man she was dating who ended up not disclosing something very, she felt was very significant. Perhaps his need was for belonging and closeness with her, and he feared rejection. And thinking of that short list of safety, belonging, and respect, or if you're familiar with some of the other feelings and needs, what might have been the feelings and needs of the other person that, that they might have been expressing through their words or their actions? And then finally, reflecting, if you could forgive, would you wish to renew or release the relationship? And remembering that reconciliation is a choice. And it's a separate question from the question of forgiveness. So if you could forgive the person, would you wish to renew or release the relationship? or renew the relationship with a different boundary. That's another option. It may not be that you're as close as you were, but renew some kind of relationship or just release it. That's an option.
And then release the contemplation. Just take a moment to go back to the breath. Just settling with whatever feelings have arisen in your body, using the breath as an anchor for a few moments. And then we'll bring the meditation to a close. So taking a few moments to gently come out of meditation, relax your posture, slowly open your eyes. So this is uh, written by Desmond Tutu and Mafo Tutu, and it was part of the Forgiveness Challenge. And it's called Prayer Before the Prayer, A Call to Forgive. And so it really names that this is a process. And I love this. It's very beautiful. Prayer Before the Prayer. I want to be willing to forgive, but I dare not ask for the will to forgive in case you give it to me, and I am not yet ready. I'm not yet ready for my heart to soften. I'm not yet ready to be vulnerable again. Not yet ready to see that there is humanity in my tormentor's eyes, or that the one who hurt me may also have cried. I am at the prayer before the prayer of forgiveness. I am not yet ready for the journey. I am not yet interested in the path. Grant me the will to want to forgive. Grant it to me, not yet, but soon. Can I even form the words, forgive me? Dare I even look? Do I dare to see the hurt that I have caused? I can glimpse all the shattered pieces of that fragile thing, that soul trying to rise on the broken wings of hope, but only out of the corner of my eye. I am afraid of it. And if I am afraid to see, how can I not be afraid to say, forgive me? Is there a place where we can meet? You and me, the place in the middle, the no man's land where we straddle the lines, where you are right and I am right too, can we meet there and both of us are wrong and wronged and look for the place where the path begins, the path that ends when we forgive. Thanks for listening. Learn more about this episode and browse our episode library by visiting unlockingtruehappiness.org. You can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Unlocking True Happiness is produced by Matthew DeVaris, intro by Russell Taylor, and our theme music is Nightingale by Asari. Stay safe out there. See you next time.